Good morning. Good to have you in the Lord's house this morning. They had a computer meltdown this morning, so they're having a difficulty getting their the screens up and all that kind of stuff to come on. But I just told them, you know what? There's nothing wrong with going old school and going hymnal, right? So right, right on the back of your pew is what they used to call hymnals. Let me show you one. <laughs> and today we're kind of talking about 35 years. Well, back in the old days, we would go ahead and use these and sing all our songs out of them. So they're going to punt and figure out how to go ahead and make that happen while they're still trying to get the computer up and running. But um, I think I, I don't think it's going to be that hard for us to transition back to a book with pages and words. Amen. Amen. So we're going to turn it right over here to Brother John. <laughs> All right. Amen. Let's all stand. And then grab your hymnal. We're going to turn to hymn number 190. Are you washed in the blood? And we'll do the first and the last of hymn number 190. Are you washed in the blood? Right into the page, right across hymn number 191, that there is power in the blood. Okay? So are you washed in the blood? And there is power in the blood. just fine without the words on the screen, didn't we? So let's open up with a word of prayer. Ask God to come and meet with us during this worship hour. 
Father in heaven, we come before you, and Lord, we thank you for the opportunity, the privilege of being able to worship one with another, lift up our voices in song. Lord, to know that your ear is inclined towards us when we lift our hearts up to you in prayer. And I do ask that you'd be with us in the service this morning. We have lots of different things planned to celebrate the years of ministry here and to look forward to the years ahead, to just enjoy the church that you've given us, the facilities, the grounds, the people. Lord, we are blessed. Thank you. And I ask that you'd stir our hearts. In a little while, Pastor Eric Malachuk's going to preach. I ask that you'd prepare our hearts to hear and to be receptive to your word. We thank you in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated.
So yeah, pastor's been with us for 35 years. We wanted to celebrate that. Um, I looked up this week to see, and um, depending on who did the study, it's anywhere from two to seven years is the average that a pastor stays in a church. It takes dedication and love, and and we want to celebrate that. Um, and um, and so as we watch the video, you're going to see the building as Pastor saw it and his family as he brought them here. Um, and and the question was asked, you know, how long is it going to look like this? And um, so and you look at our facility today, you know, the Lord has really blessed our church um, through these 35 years. And um, and so the building itself has come a long way. But you also look around our congregation. Um, you know, there's many faces that are here um, that have been um, through the through the many years. Um, there's many faces that have moved on um, through, you know, different reasons. And um, and we and we, you know, we've had sadness and we've had celebration and pastors been with us through all of that. And um, and so we just want to look at the different ministries. Um, so we've got the building and then we've got um, different people and we've got different ministries um, and, you know, if you look around at just this morning, you see, you come in, you sit down, and that's, um, but, but to make all of this happen, we have to reach into our community. And reaching into our community is church camp, um, men's conference, um, um, truck day, trunk or tree, all of these different ministries. And it takes a massive amount of work. Um, we've been through a number of secretaries um, through the years um, since Sandy has tried to get out of that. And, and when you work in the office, you find out our church does a lot here and around the world for God. And pastors brought us, uh, pastors been with us through all of that. So, so.
hopes and dreams have come and gone And our children sift through all we've left behind May the clues that they discover And the memories they uncover Become the light that leads them To the road we each must find Yeah. 
gift you gave And that's why I'm in heaven That was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad you came. One by one they came, as far as your eyes could see. Each life somehow touched by your generosity. Little things that you had done, sacrifices you made, they were unnoticed on this earth. Chokes me up. You know, you, you look over 35 years, and as we were going through the pictures to put that together, you know, I, I rejoice in all those that are with us. But I'll tell you, it's hard for me to look at those who have passed on. Uh, so many pictures of folks that we have ministered to as a church family who they're gone to heaven. We'll see them one day, but it's. It kind of pulls at your heart a little bit. Thank you for coming and just making making it special. Thank you. We'd like to invite you to stand again. And we're going to sing two more songs. We're going to sing uh, two songs that we chose for today. Um, we wanted to sing a song, It Is Well With My Soul. And uh, as we think about Pastor Taylor, Mrs. Taylor, having been here for 35 years, being a part of my life for 16 years here at Victory Baptist Church, being part of Victory Baptist Church here, let's sing together. When peace like a river attendeth my ways, because it is well with my soul. When peace like a Oh 
song we're going to sing is one of our newer songs, Build My Life. And if you look at the first verse, worthy of every song that we could ever sing, worthy of all the praise that we could ever bring, Jesus is worthy. He's worthy for Pastor Taylor and Mrs. Taylor coming to be here at Victory Baptist Church for 35 years, serving in Vermont. He is worthy. Let's sing this together. Jesus, the name above every other name. 
please be seated.
church officer said to me that they wanted to go ahead and do a little special kind of recognition of 35 years, uh, I told him, I said, well, if we're going to go ahead and do that, which I was happy they wanted to do that, that's very nice. But I told him, I said, if you really want to do something for me, then don't have me preach that day. And part of that is because it's just emotional. And it's hard. You get up and you start preaching and you're reminiscing and all of that stuff. And the last thing you want to see me do is break down a ball. That's, that's not a good thing. So um, they, they said, well, that's great, preacher. Who would you like to have come and preach that, that morning? And I said, well, I want to reach out to my buddy, Eric Malachuk. He pastors down in North Adams, Mass., Mount Greylock Baptist Church. Uh, come on up, Brother Eric. I have uh, almost, I have to say, within two years of when we came here, back in 1988, the last century, back there in the 1900s, <laughs> we moved here. And uh, at that time, Brother Eric was a lay person in their church down there. And I called his pastor. I said, listen, I have to be out of town. Do you know somebody who could fill the pulpit? He says, yeah, I got this young guy in the church. And uh, that's well, when we were young. I know. <laughs> right. And so Brother Eric came up and preached for us. And we've just been good friends through all the years. His boys, he's got uh, several of them who are just faithfully, faithfully serving the Lord. His daughters, his, he's done a phenomenal job. His wife, stand up, Shelly. Did a great job raising her. Absolutely. <laughs> She did a great job raising me. I know, I do know that. I'm just joking. But um, for sure, he, he has done it. And he still pastors the same church too. So we're talking about my 35 years. How long have you been there? Uh, 32. 32 years. 30 years. So that, that's amazing, isn't it? That, and because Kurt's right. Many, many pastors, they move and they move and they move. And I will tell you, one of the strategies in me staying in the same place for my whole life is Sandra Joe and I, her dad was a pastor. And we saw pastors who went from place to place to place to place to place. And it was hard on their families. It was hard on the churches. And we just thought, you know what? Let's let's stay here and let's serve the Lord throughout our lives. And uh, it's it was purposeful, and God has blessed throughout the years. But back to Eric. Come on up and preach God's word. And when you're done, turn it back to me, and I'll come up and I'll say more. Okay, very good. <laughs> he said uh, he didn't want to get up here and blubber, and uh, so he picked me to get up here. And and uh, Malachuk men are criers, so. I was watching those, the video, you know, I came with uh, the idea of I'd give him a hard time. You know, we've known each other a long time. I teased him on Friday. He was at our fellowship meeting. I said, wow, 35 years. Maybe I should preach on the verse out of Proverbs, remove not the ancient landmark. And, <laughs> but, um, and I had a few other things to say, but that I'm not going to say. Because uh, your pastor... He is, uh, and his wife, are dear friends. And the 35 years, of course, is not just to celebrate Tim, but to celebrate his wife as well. Amen. Uh, and, uh, 
So, Sandy, why don't you stand up? <laughs> but I watched those, the video, and, uh, and just not only to Tim and to Sandy, but to you as a church, your church has been so much a part of my life and my family's life. Um, the trips, the camp, my daughter-in-law and son met at Camp Sunlight and got married. Um, and Tim was right. This is the, the first church that I ever preached out outside of my own church was the old building. I remember the day like it was just, it was a very hot day. The sun was coming up and the building seemed really hot, but I didn't care because I was getting to preach somewhere. And uh, then the second building, I preached in the second building on a number of occasions. I've made this trip up Route 7 numerous times. And I, I, I've always liked to drive, and like this morning, Tim offered graciously to put us up last night. But, you know, I'm a preacher, so when I get up in the morning, you know, I usually rise around 5.30 on Sunday mornings and get ready. And so to come up and to stay overnight and then to just sit and wait to preach, I get kind of antsy. So the drive was good for me, you know, to do that. And it's a pretty drive. And... Um, but yeah, and then, then this building, and I remember bringing a group of men up to help. I think we sheetrocked, and uh, we stayed in one of the family's churches, or one of the family of the church's homes that night. And um, one of the guys in the room I was sleeping with was just snoring. I mean, just snoring. And so I had to get up, and I had to go to the bathroom, and I'm walking around these people's house, and then their kids are up, and I'm thinking, it's the middle of the night. I'm thinking, these people are going to think I'm weird, you know, walking through their house. So all of those things um, are memories. Bethany, Bethany, I, you know, I, I didn't meet Tim before I preached, but I met him. I'm not sure. It might have been at Bethany Birch's that I met you for the first time. And um, maybe it was before that. But I remember, you know, that's when we were in a, we stayed in a lean-to and uh, had these kids from um, Utica, New York, that they got spooked by a frog. I mean, they thought, you know, like. And, and I remember your pastor. So it's dark, and we hear somebody coming through the woods. And uh, all of a sudden, Pastor Tim is outside of our lean-to, you know, just to check up on us, I guess. And I thought to myself, there's no flashlight. What is he doing? Walk What's wrong with this guy? <laughs> And uh, just things like that through the years. It's just been, just been amazing. We, we, we went to Israel together and uh, took a trip there. We've been to Mexico. Uh, he helped me almost, I almost missed a flight. Uh, he saved me from a cup of coffee and, 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 and he's searching the airport for me and uh, we did make that flight. He got all nerved about, up about that. The next time we flew after that was Israel. And so we're all standing in the airport and... Uh, his back is to me, and he's kind of like, you know, counting everybody. And the next, where's Brother Eric? Where's Brother Eric? You know, like, where is he? Where is he? So we've had a lot of adventures together. And, um, and truly, truly, your pastor um, is just, many, I've called him on numerous occasions asking for advice and seeking counsel. Um, and so this church and your pastor and his wife, uh, Maybe some of you realize it. Maybe some of you don't. Uh, this has been like a flagship church for the state of Vermont. 
You know, many of the churches are hubs around this church. And um, Kurt talked about the work, you know, that goes into many of the things, the all-nighters. I've made many of those trips, all-nighters, and driving back. Thankfully, I don't have to do those anymore. I've got kids to do those. Um, but all of that is um, thank you. Thank you as a church uh, t that you put all these things together because you made it possible for many others to be involved. And all of my kids, they all went to camp. And like I've already mentioned, Aaron met his wife there and my sons have preached there and been involved there. And we've seen them grow up and, and serve the Lord. And, and I'm just so thankful. And I just want to say to you as a church and to your pastor and to his wife, thank you for all that you've done. Now, take your Bibles, if you will. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 is my text for this morning. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. We'll read the Word of God together, and then I'll have a short word of prayer. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and we are so thankful, as always, Lord, for your goodness and for your mercy and for your grace. And Lord, as we open the word of God this morning, we ask and pray that you would speak to our hearts and draw each of us closer to you. I pray, Lord, if there's someone here today that has never received Christ as their Savior, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you move upon their heart, cause them to realize their lost condition and their need of Christ. And today would be the day they'd call upon Jesus and be saved and become part of the family of God. Lord, we're so thankful for the church here. We're so thankful for Pastor Tim and for Sandy and all that they mean to all of us. And we ask your great blessing upon them as well. Thank you, Lord, how you have used them, uh, not only to further the kingdom, but to be such a great example and such a great testimony to those that have known them throughout the years. Now bless the preaching. Help me again as I preach. Use me despite my own faults and failures, my own inadequacies. In Jesus' name, amen. Back in the 4th century B.C., the Persians landed in Greece, and on a place called the Plains of Marathon, they were facing and outnumbering a Greek army four to one. The Greeks, knowing that not only did the battle depend upon their lives, but all those that were waiting back in the city of Athens were wondering what was going to happen that day. And so the Greeks, outnumbered four to one, decided, well, we're not going to sit here and wait for the Persians to attack. Let's attack them. And so what would have been considered really suicidal, they attacked the Persians. 
And by the end of the day, over 6,000 Persians lay dead on the plains of Marathon. Less than 200 Greeks had died. It was a great victory that day, and so they needed to get word back to Athens. So there was a man, a soldier, his name was Pheidippides. And so Pheidippides was chosen to run back to Athens. It was 26.3 miles to get back to Athens. Now, Pheidippides, he was exhausted. He had fought all day to win that great battle. But he wanted to get back, and he ran the entire distance, never stopping, never taking a break. And he got, back to, he got back to Athens, and the people in Athens, they were anxiously awaiting what had happened on the plains of Marathon. Because if they had lost that battle, the Persians would have marched into Athens, and they would have ransacked the city and killed uh, many that were there. But Pheidippides ran through the gates of Athens, and when he ran through the gates of Athens, he cried out with a loud voice. He said, we were victorious! And then he instantly died. I'm told that today in Greece there is a monument to Pheidippides. And the reason that they run the marathon, 26, just a little under 26.3 miles in the Olympics, is in honor of Pheidippides. Now, not to take anything away from Pheidippides and his run back to Athens, but perhaps if he had stopped along the way and maybe he took a drink of water, but they, they, the poets would write years later that Pheidippides, he ran like the wind. But he never stopped for a drink. He never stopped to have anything to eat. Uh, he never took a break. He just ran and ran and ran. Now, I tell you that story uh, with this idea that the ministry and the reason that your pastor and his wife have been here for 35 years is they understood, and the reason this church is still here, is they understood that the ministry and serving God, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Amen. It's a marathon. And I want to use that as a theme this morning to the message that I have uh, regarding your pastor and his wife and all of their time here. Um, and another man who understood this was, of course, the Apostle Paul, who wrote these words, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. You know, in those words that, that Paul wrote there, that the crown of righteousness, he's really, he's also alluding to the Olympics because that's what they would put on the winner's heads. They would put a crown of wreaths. So it's a marathon, the ministry. It's not a sprint. And there's probably some who entered it. Brother Tim and I, uh, we know some men who are no longer in the race. We know, I'm sure you know, some Christians who are no longer in the race. But we've got to think of it that way. We've got to think of it long term. So in the text this morning, I want to point out several things in Hebrews chapter 12. And the beginning here in verse 1. At the end of the verse, it said, Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And so the writer of Hebrews, probably the Apostle Paul, he, he likens it to a race. Paul often used athletic terms in much of his writing. And so it is a race. 
Uh, we were here for the anniversary of the church. I forgot, but how old? How long has the church been here? 54 years. We were here for the 50th anniversary of the church. And so 54 years ago, the race began for this ministry. 35 years ago, the race began for Brother Tim and, and for Sandy. But in order for that to take place, and here's my first point. The first point I have in the message is visualization. You have to visualize things. You have to look ahead, see what's ahead. You have to see the whole race. Not just the start, but you have to see the finish. And neither you nor I, nor perhaps Tim and Sandy, know how much longer they'll minister here. We don't know when the finish will be. But I can guarantee you that 35 years ago, when Tim and Sandy came here and they were living in the old building, and, and that's that's where the church was and where their home was, that they visualized that something would be better than this in the years to come. <laughs> or else, they wouldn't be here for 35 years. <laughs> but that takes the eyes of faith. We know in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. By faith, they vis the visualization of what Victory Baptist Church could be. Not only just the building, but the ministry. Because really, Victory Baptist Church, although you have a beautiful auditorium, it's not about the building, it's about all of you. It's about you. And so I, can, I, I, I can't speak for Tim, but I can remember as a young pastor, we had a little choir loft in our auditorium, and, and I was just called to, to pastor the church there. And uh, I think when we took the church, we had, uh, we had about 45 or 50 people. Half of those were kids. And I remember just kind of sitting over uh, sometimes in the little choir loft that we had during the day when no one was there and just looking out into our auditorium and visualizing it filled with people. Just, a, just, an, just by faith, trusting that God was going to do what God said he would do. And, and that's true with regards to ministry. I don't know if, if you have your Bibles open, but, but chapter 11 is the great faith chapter. And for instance, in Chapter 11, verse 7, is the instruction of Noah. And Noah was, he was, he was given instruction to build an ark. The visualization of what that ark would be like when it was finished. And so he and his three sons, they labored and labored to build the ark. I don't know how many of you have had a chance to get down to Kentucky and see the ark there, but it's pretty impressive to stand next to it and the size of it. But they had to visualize that. They had to, he had to see that. That's part of the marathon. And you talk about a marathon building an ark. Or in chapter 11, it says of Abraham, He looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He was looking for a city. They had to visualize that. They had to, to think about that by faith. And for 35 years, your pastor and his wife have visualized what Victory Baptist Church could and would be. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, where there is no vision, the people perish. And you know, 
The reality is, don't ever take for granted, there are churches that are dying all over America because there is no vision. So we're, we're reminded of that. And I'm thankful, as I've already said, for you as a, a, a church, a, a, a body of believers, that you caught the vision that God laid upon your pastor and his wife's heart. And you should be commended for that. Because sometimes in churches, a pastor has a vision and the congregation doesn't get behind that vision. But you have. But in this marathon that we run, you'll notice this too in chapter 12 and verse 1. Seeing we, seeing, uh, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a crowd of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Laying aside... There are things that we just have to lay aside if we're going to see the, the vision that God has placed upon our hearts. And my second point is preparation. I remember when we talk about these buildings, I don't remember if it was the first building, excuse me, not the first building, but the first building project or the second building project. I remember talking with Sandy. I don't know if she even remembers telling me this. And uh, I don't even remember where it was or if we were on the phone. But she told me of Tim staying up long hours of the night planning things out. And because he saw that as his vision. But beyond that, the preparation that has to be placed into staying somewhere for 35 years. Laying time aside for the study of God's word. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. For 35 years, Tim has prepared to preach to you on Sunday mornings, rightly dividing the word of truth, giving you the truth. Don't ever take that for granted, because there are many churches today that no longer preach the truth. And you can leave knowing that you attend a Bible-believing church. Don't ever take that for granted. The prayer time that he spent. James chapter 5 and verse 16 says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You'll never know, maybe not until eternity, how often your pastor has bowed his head and his knee and prayed for you. How often he bowed his head and his knee and prayed for those that are no longer here. Some have moved away and some have just gone away. But he had to lay aside time. Sometimes it's family time. Sometimes it's time with his wife. But he lays things aside. And then don't ever take for granted the purity of your pastor and his wife. And how they desire, I, I, maybe I shouldn't say this, uh, Sandy, you told me this once too, that, that, Sim was, uh, that Tim, Tim was so concerned, he said he wouldn't even take a stamp out of the church office for his own personal use. Now Tim's not going to tell you a story like that, that's why he's got a friend to tell you a story like that. <laughs> when you had a great, listen, when you had, several years ago, you had this just phenomenal Easter Sunday, we were at a preacher's meeting. And I know Tim, because he's not a prideful person. He, 
he had told me about it because we're friends. We talk about everything. And by the way, that's when you're in the ministry and you can find another person in the ministry that you can talk about anything and everything with, that's golden. And not worry about whatever you talk about. It's going to be talked about by some other preacher. But I can tell you the same is true about you and your congregation when you've gone to him for counsel or prayer. That's between you, him, and the Lord. Don't take that for granted either. But preparation and the purity. The purity. I... Staying with this marathon theme, I remember years ago, I couldn't remember this person's name, but in the New York City Marathon, there was uh, someone who cheated. And so I was trying for this message this past week to look up that person's name. And when I Googled it, I came, there's a whole list of people that cheated in marathons. <laughs> and I didn't find her name, but in the Boston Marathon, there was a woman by the name of uh, Rosie Ruiz. And I think it was in 2019, if I remember correctly, but she got into the marathon with a mile to go. Now, Rosie was Brazilian. If you're from Brazil, no offense here. But uh, she was a runner. She was a marathoner. She was somewhat known. But she was never the finalist type of a runner. But she won the marathon, and they gave her the, 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 put the wreath on her, gave her the medal. She was in the papers. And somebody began to think about this because Rosie beat her best time by 25 minutes. <laughs> and so, you know, the, the, it's the world of cameras today. Nobody could find Rosie running and all this except for the last mile. <laughs> and they found her out. And so she'll always be known. As you, know, you go now and for the rest of her life, if you Google, Rosie Ruiz will come up who cheated in the uh, Boston Marathon. And of course, they stripped her over uh, all of that. And then I thought how I thought about the people who came in second and third. You know, they she not only did she cheat, but she robbed them of all of the glory and effort that they put into it. The sin that does so easily beset us. There's preparation with regards to that. If we, if, listen, if we fail to prepare, and, and I mentioned the purity of the ministry here, and I'll allude to this in, in a little bit more on another point, but that does not come without preparation. You have to think those things through. You have to know what's coming. And if we fail to prepare, you may start the race, but you probably won't finish the race. And so we see in this text visualization of the race and the preparation. But then also in chapter 12 and verse 1, we see determination. It said here, let us run the race with patience. Patience. Never giving up. Never quitting. That's the history of many in the scriptures. They were just determined. In 2 Timothy 2.3, it says, therefore, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. If your Bibles, if they are open, look at chapter 11. Look over at verse number um, 35. Here's some others that are listed in the Bible that, that they just did not quit. It says, women receive their dead raised to life again. 
Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. There were others that had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. So these people went through this just because they put their faith and trust in the one true living God. Just doing what we're doing here this morning. And they didn't quit. Verse 36, others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. Were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. And I love the beginning of verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy. This is the great cloud of witness that goes before us. And you are the cloud of witness for the next generation. Your faithfulness being led by a faithful pastor and his wife, a determination. In the, in the 2004 Olympics, a man by the name of Vanderlee de Lima was leading the marathon with three miles to go. Now, I don't know a lot about marathons, but I know this in a long distance race, three miles is still a long way to go in a marathon. I've watched enough of the Olympics to, to hear about the kick at the end of a race where, where someone could just kind of take off and win. But he was leading with three, and he was a world-class marathoner. All of a sudden, as he was running, out of the crowd, a crazed man jumped out and grabbed him and pulled him to the ground. The police came, they got the, 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 the man off of Delima. He got back up, he finished the race, and he came in third. That's determination. A lot of people would quit. There are a lot of things that can happen in the ministry that would cause a man to quit. There are. COVID's been a tough time, hasn't it? I heard of some of the things your pastor went through. But he's come through as a shining example to you. Determination. But let me say this before I move on to the next point. Determination. Sheer determination will not always sustain you. Because there are a lot of people who are determined people. But my next point is you have to have motivation. And the motivation is found in chapter 12 and verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. How is it that Tim and Sandy are still here after 35 years? Well, it's true they've looked at you and they've cared for you. But beyond that, they look to Jesus Christ. If you're not looking at Christ, you know, Paul would say elsewhere in the scriptures, follow me as I follow Christ. That's the motivation we have in life. We follow Christ. He's the example that we all need. Most marathoners 
they don't, they don't run the race to win the race. In fact, we have a mutual friend, many of you know, Bruce Patterson. He's run in the Boston Marathon. He never entered the Boston Marathon to win it. He never did. He entered it to finish it. And we that are all engaged in the work of the Lord, we have another mutual friend of ours who's retired now, Jim Lake, about 10 years ago. Jim's about 10 years older than Pastor Tim and I. But I remember him preaching a message saying he was entering the last lap of his ministry. And he just wanted to stay faithful to the end. And he has. And Jim never thought that the Lord would take his wife Kathy home. In the Boston Marathon, they have what's called the Heartbreak Hill. There's a lot of heartbreak in ministry. Personal, ministerial, people that you love, that you care for, that you pray for, that effectual, fervent prayer. And sometimes it'll just break your heart. You don't always know why, you don't know when, where, but they do. And your motivation had, had not better, your motivation in ministry is not to build a building. It's not to build a congregation with regards to the numerical size. The motivation is to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. And then all the rest falls into place. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.14. He said, for the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all were dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. It has never stopped amazing me that God, in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, would give up all of his rights of heaven for all of our wrongs here on earth and live a spotless, sinless life and then die for you and for me. You and I, we are unworthy of the salvation that we have. It's never stopped amazing me. Your pastor was raised, really, uh, in a home where I'm not sure it was agnostic or atheistic, just no real church background. And God got a hold of his heart and won him to Christ. I was raised in a home where every single Sunday my parents took me to church. And like many teenagers, I just shook my fist at God and mocked the things of Christianity. And at 24 years old, Jesus saved me. So here we are, good friends, coming from different, such different backgrounds, spiritually speaking. And God called the two of us. It's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. And then no matter whether it's his background or my background, the motivation. Just to think how much Jesus loved us to do that for us. And, and the scriptures went on to say here as we finish up, it said, 
who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. That's our motivation. The joy that Jesus has, the joy the day that Tim received Christ, me, and whoever you are. I'm sure there are many of you today, who, whether in a church service or uh, in your home, in Tim's office, that God used Tim to deliver the gospel. Uh, maybe some of you ladies, it was Sandy. And, and you accepted Christ as your Savior. You were lost. You were on your way to hell without Christ. And that day, whatever it was, wherever it was, that Jesus saved you, the Bible says that the angels in heaven rejoiced over one sinner that repents. One. And the joy of a pastor and his wife to know that they were used of God to bring someone into the kingdom of God, into the family of God. And the joy most of all of Jesus who came and died and paid for our sin. Who shed his blood on a cruel cross, a rugged cross, and allowed the nails to be nailed through his hands and the nails through his feet. And might I say this morning, if you're here, maybe you're visiting, or maybe you've received, not, never received Christ as your Savior. That's why Jesus came. And really the emphasis, rightly so today, is not, is not primarily on 35 years of ministry, as great as that is. The emphasis is on Jesus Christ who died and paid for our sin. <laughs> because that, none, of this would, none of this would be happening without him. And I've really preached the last message. So the motivation would have gone to realization. And that's just what I said, realizing what Christ has done for us. So again, if you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Savior, I encourage you to do so. It's the greatest decision you can make in your life. I, I gotta say this in jest and seriously. If, Jesus could save Tim and I. He could save anybody. And you might say, look in the mirror. If Jesus could save me, he could save anybody. And he can. And he does. And he has. And you're the evidence of it. So I finish with these thoughts. First, are you in the race? As a believer, are you in the race? And maybe you've kind of gotten out of the race. Maybe like that fella Delima who got tackled by, by this crazy man. Maybe, maybe, maybe for one reason or another, you've kind of gotten out of the race. Well, be like Delima. Get back up and finish the race. Because one day we have to stand before Jesus. So we'll, we'll desire him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And all of us, none of us run a perfect race. None of us. The only person around a perfect race was Jesus. We all run a race at times where we mess up, but we can still finish the race. We can still do that. Be active. Be active. And again, I say this morning, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, in just a minute, we're going to close out the service. It's your opportunity to do so. In my years of ministry, I've tried to keep this as simple as possible. You need to, A, you need to you need to accept the fact that you're a sinner. You need to admit to the Lord that you're a sinner. We've all come short. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. None of us is perfect. 
You need to be believed that Jesus died and he paid for your sin on the cross. Because that's why he came. And when he hung on that cross, because the scriptures say that he knows the end at the, he knows the, the, end at the beginning. Our lives are as a tale that's been told, it says in the scriptures. He knows all about you. And when he hung on that cross 2,000 years ago, he hung there for you. And he hung there for me. And today, if you'll, A, admit that you're a sinner. If you'll believe that Jesus died and paid for your sin. The C is, call upon the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved. And whether you come to the altar, if there's an altar call, I'm going to turn this over to Tim at the end. Or whether there, you do that in your seat, wherever you are, if you'll just cry out to the Lord, he'll save you. It's an act of faith. And then you enter the race. No one gets to heaven by running the race. But you do have to accept Jesus Christ to enter the race. Philippians 3, 13 and 14 says, I, uh, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Run the race. Let's bow our heads as Tim comes. As we get ready to go into an invitation, I just pray that each of you, as you look in your heart, let God speak to you. Father in heaven, I do pray that you be with us as we turn to you, look to you. I ask that it would be you that stirs our soul. If there are those who need to receive Christ this morning, that they would do that. If there are those who need to rededicate themselves, that they might get back in the race, I pray, Lord, that you would stir their heart to do that. Help us, Lord, everyone to be thankful and grateful for the privilege and opportunity to serve you. Pray for you to be with us in this invitation time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand. And John is going to, he's going to play and sing a song. And I just want us to stand with our heads bowed. And I want you to listen to the words. And if God is wooing you and beckoning you to make a spiritual decision this morning, just slip out. Maybe come to this altar. Maybe right where you are, make a decision. If you need to receive Christ, come right up here. I'll have Brother Kurt open the Bible and minister to you that you might receive Christ. But as John sings this song, listen to the words as we bow our heads. is calling Have you come to the end of yourself Do you thirst for a drink from the well Jesus is calling Oh come to the altar the Father's blood of Jesus Christ. 
hide your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. But thank you very much for coming, and um, I do appreciate very much, Brother. Uh, what's your name again? Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much, Brother Eric, for not doing all the razzing and harassing. Um, you know, when we all get to heaven, there's a few things we're going to ask the Lord, and one of the things I'm going to ask Him is, "Why did Eric get to keep his hair and not me?" <laughs> The big things in life, right? The big things. I'm just kidding. Let's have a word of prayer. I'll ask the blessing on the food. Thank you so much for coming. We're looking forward to just a time of fellowship. There is no evening service tonight because we're going to hang out here. We're going to enjoy some time. and uh, By the time we're all done, you're not going to want to turn right around and come back. But we're not going to have an evening service. See you Wednesday night, though. Come back. Thank you for being here this morning. Father in heaven, I do ask that you bless this food to our bodies. We thank you for every person who volunteered to bring food. Ask that you bless them for it. Lord, we do thank you for all the years of this church working together. You've given me the privilege of being the pastor, but it took every single one of us to do all that you wanted to do here to get to where we are today. But Lord, you are not done. And we know that this church upon this hill needs to continue to minister to its neighbors, its friends, its families, all around it. I pray that you help us. Help us to pull together, work together, not for us, but for you, Lord. Thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's sing together the family of God. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by His blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod, for I'm part of the family.